How's it going, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. On this episode of the show, I'm super excited to introduce you to Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum. Dr. Ghanoum has spent his entire academic career studying medically important fungi encompassing different fungal pathogens, including Candida, Aspergillus, and Cryptococcus, the major causes of fungal infections. He's published more than 250 peer-reviewed articles addressing various aspects of superficial and systemic fungal infections. And recently he published the first study describing the oral mycobiome of healthy individuals. Now, if the word mycobiome sounds a lot like the word microbiome, well, you're right, they're related. Over the course of the next hour, Dr. Ghanoum and I are going to talk about the fungal component of the human microbiome, which is known as the mycobiome. Your mind is gonna be blown when you learn about the universe of fungus that you carry around with you. And Dr. Ganoom is gonna offer some very practical advice on how to feed the good guys and starve the bad guys. We discuss food, exercise, the gut-brain axis, sugar, artificial sweeteners, and more. Plus, you'll learn about the two secret ingredients that Dr. Ganoom says can help fight candida, which is normally present in our bodies, but overgrowth can cause major problems ranging from thrush to yeast infections to digestive problems. This is one of my favorite episodes because the microbiome was such a new world for me, so I have no doubt that this is going to be a fun one for you to uh, listen in on. Before we get to it, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the show, and that is Perfect Keto. Perfect Keto makes a line of products that are meant to help you along your ketogenic journey if you happen to be on a ketogenic diet. And if not, all of their products are uh, sugar-free, low in net carbohydrates and designed to minimize glycemic variability while filling you up and making you feel great. I'm a huge fan of their keto nut butters, um, which combine MCT oil with uh, nuts like almonds and macadamia nuts. Um, they also have a delicious trail mix that they just came out with. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I love trail mix and the idea of throwing commercially available trail mix into my backpack when I'm on the road um, doesn't sit very well with me because usually they are loaded with uh, more dried fruit than nuts and and um, often those nuts are coated in unhealthy oils. But um, the trail mix that Perfect Keto puts out, along with their chocolate-covered almonds and macadamia nuts, are totally delicious and without any junk ingredients. So a wonderful travel snack or just uh, a great snack to have around the kitchen if you want something healthier to, uh, to munch on. If you want to give anything that Perfect Keto sells a try, all you got to do is head over to perfectketo.com slash geniuslife20 or use promo code geniuslife20 and you'll get to save a whopping 20% off of your order if your order is for $40 or more. So again, perfectketo.com slash geniuslife20 or promo code geniuslife20 and you'll get 20% off of an order of $40 or more. Check them out and let me know what you think. Now guys, before we get to the show, please support the Genius Life. You could do this in one of two ways. You can go to maxlugavir.com, which is my website, and join my newsletter. I would appreciate that very much. I've got some exciting news uh, that I cannot wait to share with you guys in the coming weeks. And I would love for my newsletter peeps to be the first to hear about it because unlike social media, uh, the newsletter is a pipeline directly to your brain. Social media, I'm governed by the algorithm that the Zuckerbergs of the world have um, put in place. But when uh, 
you guys are on my newsletter, it's one-to-one communication. So I really hope that you sign up. And um, just for signing up, I'm going to offer you guys 11 supplements that you could use to potentially boost your brain function along with my number one sleep hack. I handwrite every um, newsletter and I take your privacy very seriously. I will never give your email address to anybody else and you can opt out at any any time. So again, maxlugavir.com. Please make sure that you're on my newsletter. I would very much uh, appreciate that. And the second way that you can support The Genius Life is by going to iTunes or wherever you listen to this um, show and by leaving a rating and review like this one from Square Garden. She wrote, after reading Genius Foods, I was riding a knowledge high that I didn't want to come down from. It's been so great to have this podcast to reinforce what I read, but to also continue learning new and applicable information for a healthy lifestyle. I love that Max does not shy away from any topic. Thanks for having episodes specifically about women's health. I just love that he is grounded in science, evidence-based, but not evidence-bound. Square for Garden, I love that you said evidence-based, but not evidence-bound, because that is my whole ethos, you guys. I love science and research, and it's my duty, it's my vocation to bring you the latest science that could help improve your life, but I think it's important to also use logic and intuition and be able to fill in the blanks when science doesn't provide in a way that is safe and reasonable and responsible. So that's what this is all about, Um, the genius life, everything that I do. Thank you for picking up what I'm putting down. And to all you guys out there, I appreciate you no matter what, but please leave that rating and review. I would love to hear from you. And um, yeah, that's basically it. Without further ado, I'm super excited to get into this chat with Dr. Ganoom. This is going to be mind-blowing. Again, we're going to talk all about the microbiome and what you can do to make sure that your fungus is being kept uh, in check. And if you enjoy what Dr. Ganoom has to say, guys, make sure to um, go and pick up his book, which comes out in December, but you can pre-order it now. It's called Total Gut Balance. Without further ado, let's rock and roll. Dr. Ganoom, thank you so much for being with me on The Genius Life. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, I, you know, I've done a lot of research and writing on the microbiome, but the mycobiome is an area that uh, I, is, is virtually completely unexplored by me. So I'm excited to talk to you because you are an expert in this topic. Thank you very much. It's, uh, I really agree with you. I'm not surprised that, that you didn't hear much about it because, as you know, a lot of people talk about the microbiome. They mean the bacteria. In fact, in our body, as you know, whether it's in our gut or skin, there is both bacteria and fungus. And that's where I came to play. Because, as you mentioned, I've been working with fungus for over 40 years and always thought when people take antibiotics, for example, we kill all the good bacteria. And what happens, fungi, especially candida, take the opportunity to start causing disease. And that's why I started writing about this about 2010, saying we really need to look at both of these uh, communities because they work together for our good and for our bad. It's so interesting. And just to, I mean, I'm sure every listener has heard of penicillin, right? Which is a form of fungi, which uh, can have a devastating effect on the microbiome, correct? Sure, sure. It's an antibiotic. It's an antibiotic. Penicillin is really was the first antibiotic discovered and was produced by penicillium, one of the fungus. Okay, fungi, penicillium. And it's basically an antibiotic. And what it does, as you said, it has a great effect on the um, microorganisms, especially bacteria that live inside us. I tell you, when I first started 
my uh, in 1974. <laughs> wow. I am an old man, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, where my PhD mentor gave me a paper. He said, Mahmoud, this is what I want you to work on. And it was about a rabbit where it was treated with an antibiotic. And guess what happened? It started to develop candida. Hmm. It's similar to what happens with women when they take tetracycline, they develop thrush. And that's when I told, like, I thought about it. I said, okay, they really, these bacteria and fungi live in the same community and they can affect each other. And that's where I started my journey to try to understand the microbiome. That is fascinating. It's so cool. I mean, I, you know, I, I have only a cursory level knowledge of the fungi kingdom, but it's just as wide and diverse as the plant and animal kingdom. It's its, its own kingdom, which I think is, is, is oh, amazing. It's really true. It's really true. You know, but it's not surprising. I tell you, a lot of the time when you go to a physician, let's say you don't feel well, you have te uh, temperature, fever. So what they think, they think, oh, you have an infection. And with that, they try to give you an antibiotics. They never think that, you know, it could be fungus that causing this issue. And that's why people don't know about uh, the, uh, the fungi. That a lot of the time when I first came to the U.S., uh, maybe 30 years ago, we tried to educate the physicians that, look, you give somebody an antibiotic. After four days, if you are not seeing too much improvement, then think fungus. Hmm. And that's, that's how. Now the good news is that people start to think about it and they know that we need to take care of this. That's amazing. So let's just take a step back. I mean, you know, so the microbiome basically is this, this collective of microorganisms that live in us and on us, right? Yes, yes. Um, outnumbering our, or I think now the consensus is that, you know, the, the number of cells in the gut microbiome specifically are about as many uh, in, in number as cells that make us human, that we carry That's around true. with us. I really agree. Yeah, and their DNA outnumbers ours, however, yes. by an order of magnitude, by about 100 yes. to 1, right? Yes. Yes, that's absolutely right. As you said, the beginning people thought we have more germs as far as a num number is concerned. But now, as you say, you are absolutely right. And it's the genetical makeup. The genes are more in the bacteria and fungus in us than our cells. It's fascinating. So walk us through, like, if we were taking a trip from the mouth down to the end of the canal, I mean, where, where are these fungi hiding out? What is their you know, fit ideal sort of ecosystem? Can you give us any numbers? I'm just so fascinated by this. Sure, sure. You know, I, it's very interesting because a lot of people talk about the gut. Guess what? When I first started looking at the fungus, I looked at the oral cavity, the mouth. Hmm. Why? I was funded by the National Institute of Health to study oral complications of HIV. People who have AIDS, they tend to have fungi especially candida, in their mouth, okay? So that's where I started to look. And guess what? We found in the first study that in our mouth, in healthy people, forget about uh, uh, diseased people, they have 101 different species of fungus living wow. in our mouth, wow. you know? And that, because this is, of course, the power of the new technology, then next generation sequencing because usually when you grow them they don't grow as much 
but now we were able to see, as I said, like 101, I like that, it's like 101 Dalmatian, you know? <laughs> but then I started looking at the uh, gut, you know, especially in Crohn's disease patients and other sort of, uh, you know, IBS and other sort of diseases, and as well as healthy. And again, we are seeing a large number of fungi in the gut. So just to put it into perspective, when you look at the literature and what people talk about, they say, look, the number of bacteria in our gut is really much higher than the number of fungus, which is true. However, when you look at the size, how big it is, a fungus is, it's about 10 to 12, to 12 times larger than the size of the bacteria you know that that's and that's really an important differentiating factor so in a way the size matters in their sort of situations <laughs> it's fascinating yeah i mean the collective weight of the of the gut microbiome weighs almost as much as your as your brain yes that's a lot <laughs> yes. of that's a lot of mass that's why they call it second brain the second brain yes so what what are the fungi doing there? I mean, I think I think you know some of my listeners might be familiar with the you know the the fact that when we eat um, dietary fiber, and I, you know I, I definitely want you to go into this um, later in the episode, but that you know the, our gut bacteria pay us rent in a sense because they you know they're not just passive recipients of this food, they do many many good things for our health. So I mean, what are, what are these fungi doing? You know, this is really a very important question because I don't want to leave the impression that fungi only is bad. Because in fact, like bacteria, we have good guys and we have bad guys. Hmm. So, and also a lot of the time, what determines whether an organism is bad is the amount or the level. What is the abundance of certain uh, organisms? Let's put it, let's give you an example. If we look at our gut, and I did studies in healthy people, maybe between 50 to 70% of people have candida in their gut. As long as candida is at low number, in other words, it's as you said, they are sitting there paying us our rent, but at the same time benefiting from the food we give them, okay? At that level, it's no harm at all. In fact, they help us. What they do, they break down the more complex carbs, carbohydrates, they break them down, which gives food to the bacteria, like a protobacteria, for example, mm. and itself produce other products which helps candida. So it's beneficial. They help in the fermentation of food. Where we start having issues is when we really have overgrowth of fungi. Then it will start to, to cause us trouble. So that's one thing. The other thing, we not only have those organisms that are able to switch sort of role from good to bad, we have some of them which, which are good, like Saccharomyces, Saccharomyces cerevisiae or Saccharomyces boulardii. These are two different yeasts. It's like the baker's yeast, you know, the one we use to make uh, beer and bread, you know, leavened bread. These are good guys. So, so you can see really it is not all bad, there is some good and some bad, and that's why it's very important to manage them, to encourage the good ones and keep the bad ones under control. I love that. It could be likened to a, I mean, any ecosystem where, I mean, take a, take a jungle, you know, yeah. and uh, you have a number of different groups of species living in peace together. But the minute 
you know, there is an opportunity for one to take over. Um, I mean, humans have kind of been that species to do that around the globe, right? Yes. So we're actually the bad guys in many ways uh, from, a, from an ecosystem standpoint. But, um, but yeah, it's, they all have to coexist and live in harmony and, um, and they keep each other in check, each of those species. Yes, yes. You know, this is a very good point because it's so interesting. Lactobacillus, which is a good bacteria, keeps candida under control. So now when we kill this lactobacillus, as we mentioned before, candida start to grow. Not only this, once they are more in number, they, they start to prevent lactobacillus from growing up. So not only they, they, they keep them under control. Now I am dominant, let me keep you down. And that's mm. exactly what happened. And as you say, it's an ecosystem. It's an environment, the survival of the fittest, basically. Now you keep mentioning candida. Is candida one of the more common sort of fungal overgrowths? Uh, yes, candida is basically responsible for the large majority of fungal infections. Hmm. It's the third most common fungal infection, actually infection, not just fungal infection, in hospitals. Hmm. When somebody goes into hospital, you know, immunocompromised patients, let's say cancer patient, you give them a lot of this uh, chemotherapy, we lower your immunity, and that will give the opportunity for candida to start to grow. So candida is by far the number one infection-causing organism. Then mm. after that, you have, for example, aspergillus, a lot of the time which cause lung, lung issues, okay? So or people who are doing transplant uh, patients, they tend to have what you call aspergillosis, which is a disease caused by aspergillus. But candida by far the most important one. What, what are the symptoms of candida overgrowth? Candida overgrowth, in, if we talk about uh, the gut, for example, you may have sometimes diarrhea, you may have uh, fatigue, you may have constipation, you know, all of these, the pain, of course, some, some blood in your uh, fecal sample or in stool, uh, all of these can uh, affect. There are some, some also later, which I know because you are interested a lot in the brain, hmm. like they communicate to affect our mood, depression, and this sort of thing. So these are some of the uh, really side effects or you know, consequences of having overgrowth of uh, this fungus. Super, super interesting. So let's, you have a new book out, Total Gut Balance, which uh, I'm super excited for. So what are some of the, I mean, dietary principles that you've uncovered in your research that are going to help benefit not just the microbiome, but the mycobiome to help, sure. you know, keep those fungal communities in check? Yes. You know, what? when you think about it, when I discovered that these organisms, especially in Crohn's disease, that was the really seminal study where we showed that bacteria and fungi work together. And what we found that Candida tropicalis, one of the species of Candida, works with E. coli and Cirrhacia, which are two bacterial stuff. Mm. They come and start causing trouble. They form biofilm, okay? So, and that's where the trouble starts. So now, I wanted to find a way to try to do the following. I want a dietary approach that, number one, it can keep the growth of candida and other harmful fungi under control. At the same time, I want to give 
nutrients to encourage the beneficial organisms such as lactobacillus okay the third aim or my objective was as i mentioned when these organisms the bad one the pathogens work together they form what you call biofilm hmm. which is like the plaque in our teeth every morning we brush our teeth to get rid of it but that's really it's not as easy to, to brush our uh, our uh, gut okay exactly. but so when they form there then they start to cause trouble so i wanted to find some food that is able to break this digestive plaque and finally i want to have in the food also uh, components or ingredients to have something which has antioxidants can reduce the inflammation and the sort of things so with all th those are really the basic principles that guided me to start designing the trial uh, the diet i mean is this biofilm something that you can actually see have you seen it we we see it you know I did a lot of studies before in biofilm, before I went, before the days of the microbiome. Where we see it, the best example, we all see it. If you look at the pipes in your home, all these viscous, you know, terrible yeah. smudge things, these are biofilms. Mm. If you look at a boat where you have, you know, in the outside of the boat, the hull, you have all these slimy material, these are biofilms. In mm. us, we see it easily in our gut, but we don't see it in our, you know, yeah. uh, sorry, in your mouth uh, as a plaque, but you don't see it in the gut. The way to see it is to have some biopsy samples and look at it, okay? But we were able to do studies, both in vitro, in the test tube, as well as in animals, and we were able to show this plaque forming there. And that's where the evidence you can have. Wow. Uh, to show that there is biofilm. Wow. So, okay. So take me through the, the foods. Take me through the dietary pattern. What do, you, what do you recommend for all of us? Okay. So first we need, how can we limit the growth of fungi? Because that's the uh, issue. Mm -hmm. To limit it, one major point is it loves sugar. Candida, in particular, which causes a lot of the trouble, loves sugar. So the more simple sugar you have or refined sugar, the more growth you have. So mm -hmm. that's why we have to have low carb. It doesn't mean no carb, just low carb, okay? Also, we looked into the studies over the years, and if you have vitamin deficiencies, such as vitamin A, B, and C, also this encourages the growth of candida. However, if you have lean proteins from plants, from fish, from sometimes chicken, okay, this will keep candida under control as well. So this is what, uh, this is the com food components or food ingredients that will keep candida down. Now, at the same time, I want to encourage the good guys, the bacteria. So to do that, it is well known that if you give it, if you eat fibers, or resistant starch, which you can find, you know, in bananas and oats and, uh, or, or, and potatoes, for example, what they do, we don't break them down. They go through our intestine, but then when they reach to the colon where the bacteria is there, they love it. So mm -hmm. that's what, as you say, this is the rent, what, uh, what they pay. We, they eat that food and they start to break it down. And by breaking it down, they do two things. Number one, they uh, get, make, make, uh, let them grow. Like basically you are feeding them. 
you are giving them the good food for them to become large in number, which allow them to keep candida and other bad guys, even bacteria down. At the same time, they start to produce these nice, what you call metabolites or small molecules, small compounds, such as short chain fatty acids, which gonna help our immunity and inflammation, okay? Now, the gut, with respect to the biofilm or the digestive plaque, there are some good food which can help, like mm. apple cider vinegar. It's mm. great. Uh, garlic is fantastic. Many, many years ago, you will laugh at this. Uh, too many years ago, my friend. <laughs> I, I published three papers on the effect of garlic on, on candida and these biofilms. It's, it's fantastic. It's really fantastic. So the, gar so the garlic helps break down the biofilm you found? Is it, is yes, it, and, and apple cider vinegar is very good as well. That's you amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it the allicin compound in garlic? Allicin, exactly. You are a good guy. How did you remember allicin? I mean, I, that's <laughs> what I studied, the allicin. That's we, what we you got, studied? We, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about allicin. So allicin is created when you chew raw garlic. Is that correct? Yes. yes. And it's got a very short half-life, if I recall yes. correctly. So you yes. basically have to chew it and swallow it yeah. pretty quickly. Yes. Is yes. it destroyed with heat? Do we know? You know, I really think it's if you just steam the garlic or something, not, not you know, yeah. it, it will be fine. It will be fine. I really didn't, did not do the experiment, I must admit, uh, by boiling and this sort of thing. Yeah. What we did, we took garlic, we crushed it, we took the uh, allicin extract, and that's what we did the study with. That's amazing. But, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, ha and apple cider vinegar, I mean, I, I consume it pretty regularly. I, you know, I dilute it. I uh, don't want to, like, you know, destroy your tooth enamel, but, sure. um, or burn your throat. But yeah, so how does apple cider vinegar work? It's the same. It can break the matrix, which is uh, which is the biofilm forms. You see, like biofilm, if you think about it, it's like a jello. Inside this jello, if we put little pieces of M and M's or you know fruit, you know, uh, um, let's say uh, berries. Okay, the organism inside the jello, the berries. Okay, or the M and M's. And that they do, they produce this material, it's, which is made of carb and proteins and sometimes some DNA, which forms like a tent, it protects them. So what we need to do with apple cider vinegar, it can break this matrix. And when you break it, it will become much easier to get rid of this organism and break and, and kill them. So cool. Dr. Ganoum, I'm, I'm like loving this, this, uh, this conversation. Okay, so, but apple cider vinegar, you, like, how do you recommend taking it? Like, what, do you drink it, you know, sip it before a meal? Do you, like, what's the protocol? I, I think we can add, uh, add it. As you said, first of all, it's very important to dilute it because you yeah. don't want to cause the, the animals. I think you can add, I add it to salads or something like this. Yeah. I like olive Usually in my salads, I love olive oils, which are really great. Also, again, uh, good fat, you, you know. You have uh, uh, olive oil, lemon, and, and uh, apple cider vinegar. It makes very, very nice part of the salad. That's how I usually uh, take it. I'm just, where are you from originally? I'm Lebanese. I'm from Beirut. I was going to guess that. I, I happen to love Lebanese food. Yeah, just, thanks. Uh, yeah, just FYI. Yeah. And the Lebanese garlic sauce, I mean, that's 
full of Allison, right? <laughs> My wife, she loves that whenever <laughs> I go. In fact, you know, after this, I am going to go to a place called Aladdin in our way. And she said, can you get some Lebanese food? I said, okay, I will do that. <laughs> it's, it's the best. Yeah. Um, okay, so a little bit, uh, a little while ago, you mentioned low carb, but I just want to like go into that a little bit. So do you sure. mean specifically um, avoiding added sugar uh, what are your thoughts on grains, grain-based yes. products? Yeah. Um, I mean, how low carb are we talking? And also, you know, we want to just be clear that when we say low carb, we do not mean low vegetable. Yes, Five exactly. Five form of carb. Yes, yes. First of all, I think low. We need carb. You know, we need carb for energy and you know other stuff. It's like we need carb. We need proteins. We need fats. You cannot just get rid of them. But what we need to do, we need to select the right type. Okay, so to me, when it comes to uh, carb, uh, refined sugars, you know, all of these, uh, a lot of candies and this sort of thing contains them, processed. It's not good. This is not good. What we need to do, we need to do a little bit more complex carb, okay, such as resistant uh, starch, for example, because that's one point. The other point, it's very important not to take, sit down and eat so much carb in one go. You can have carb, but take a little bit in the morning, you know, because then our body is able to break it down without being absorbed and changing into fat, you know. So to me, there is digestible and indigestible. The digestible are the ones which, as you say, simple sugar, and which are really candida loves, okay? Whereas the indigestible, which really resistant starch, they are more complex. They can break down by the organisms which live in uh, the good guys in our gut, in the in the colon, and that allows them to grow. But we don't we don't break them down, and that's why we we really avoid having too much carb to be changed into you know fats. Yeah, where what's your uh, standpoint on grains? I think grains are good. You know, it's really like, you know, as you know, the, the diets like uh, they complete no grains. I think grains are very good. They have a lot of fiber. They have some good, good fat as well. Uh, I think, look, my main issue with a lot of this stuff is moderation, hmm. you know. So try to like, for example, grains or for example, nuts, uh, pistachio. Pistachio yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> Walnuts is good. You know, pistachio have been shown, they did studies actually, and they showed that it, it will support the microbiome in our gut. So having pistachio is very, very good. So to me, diets that eliminate all, all these is not really uh, optimal, I would say, for our, our gut. I was reading an article that you had written or contributed to where you were talking about some interesting uh, discoveries you've made on dairy and how dairy yes. uh, can affect the gut uh, microbiome. And your, I think, findings were pretty surprising. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, I mean, look, dairy, I think, again, some people say don't have dairy. I think it's dairy are, are good, provided they are non-fat or 1%, you know, low fat. You know, why? Because dairy have some good stuff, like have casein, for example, the protein, which is really very beneficial. And also studies have shown that it will be good for our microbiome, okay? Also, they have a lot of uh, vitamins. They have minerals, which we should take. 
What we are trying to avoid with dairy is the saturated fat, you know, because saturated fat, as you know, their effect on not, alone, not only the microbiome, also the cardiovascular issues and this sort of thing. So dairy is good, provided it is non-fat. Like if you want to have yogurt, I love yogurt, okay? Uh, but it should be plain, not sweetened. Right. Yeah. So this is what I think is the way to go when it comes to dairy. But it's, I, lo I love it. Sometimes, even though I don't encourage a lot of sugar, but if you have a plain and you add maybe one spoon of honey, it's fine. But not too much, you know what I mean? Not too much, so, keeping the sugar down. Because fungi love to consume sugar. sugar yes. Where are these fungi located for the most part? Is it, is it similar to the, uh, the, 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 the microbes that kind of concentrate in the large intestine? Do they line the entirety of the digestive tract? How does it work? I think you find them in the mouth. You can't find them in the mouth. Like we, uh, when, before I was wise many, many years ago, I wanted to see how people, how many people, healthy people have candida. So I went to my students, I say, listen, if you give me a swab to culture to know if you are a carrier of candida, I can give you some food. At that time, I'm not, I wasn't aware of how the effect of some food in like donuts, for example, on, on the diet. But anyway, uh, when we looked at them, 50% of the people have candida in the mouth. Hmm. As you go down, it is mainly down in the colon. You have a lot of uh, candida as well, you know. Um, so it, it, it distri distributes. Uh, I don't think you have, you know, one thing about candida it, uh, and fungi in general, especially candida, it, uh, it can tolerate low acidity, you know, like if when you, grow, but, I don't, but you don't find it in the stomach and this sort of thing. I think it's down and uh, hmm. lower in the intestinal tract. Have you done any research on what some people are now calling um, medicinal mushrooms uh, and things like that? You know, I mean, there's very interesting research now coming out on, on just mushrooms in generally, but then there's this whole category of, uh, of fungi that have been used medicinally in, you know, Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, like the lion's mane, the reishi. Is that within your purview at all? Those... I think from my point of view, mushrooms are, are good. You know, obviously, you need to have the right, the right mushrooms, you know, because some of them are uh, poisonous and this sort of thing. But having the, the right mushrooms, you know, shiitake and whatever, they are very good. And they have been shown because they have a lot of fibers also. So they are good for our microbiome, definitely. I did not study uh, their medicinal effect. I, I, I'm looking at them from the dietary point of view, but I really did not study... It's a fascinating field, especially like, you know, Chinese medicine, uh, as you mentioned. The, there is a lot of study there. You know, many, many years ago when I was still at American University of Beirut, where I studied, people used to look at different flora, different, but I really did not look much into the medicinal uh, effect of, uh, of mushrooms. Yeah, but I think I it's... Like but it's interesting to, I mean, you know, as we, we talked about penicillin earlier, that many of our medicines actually come from, you know, their origins yeah. are in, in the fungi kingdom. So, I mean, sure. these, are, these are powerful compounds. Um, you know, I know mushrooms have been shown to uh, possess immunomodulatory activity. Sure. Many of them actually have uh, antioxidants, like the types of, the, ki the exact types of antioxidants we make in our own bodies. Sure, um, sure, sure. 
No, no, no doubt about it. They will have benefit. Uh, the, the issue is in my research, I have been focusing on, you know, a lot of my work uh, was on how can we develop new antifungals, for example. You know, I, I, I published a lot in this area. I looked a lot about the pathogenicity hmm. of fungi, um, but particularly Candida, cryptococcus, for example, especially when it used to cause a lot of disease in HIV-infected patients. You know, mm. I looked at uh, aspergillus, for example, but I never looked at. So I know what makes them pathogenic, what makes them cause disease, but I really did not look at the beneficial sort of yeah. impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I want to try to control the bad ones. You, you were you were drawn to the dark side. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I like that. Um, so yeah, man, we've we've covered a, a lot of ground already. What are some other uh, like non dietary uh, things that we could be doing to help better support the the microbiome, including the microbiome? I really thank you for asking this question because I should have brought that up with with the design of the trial, which I uh, of the diet. I think in addition to diet, it's very important we have lifestyles we need to have healthy lifestyles you know in fact i just give you an example and then i can give you what do i mean by that we had a lady part of the study we had she we did her microbiome profile both bacteria and fungus and it looked terrible it had really imbalance i looked then at the food she is eating and she is eating the really good food you know all the stuff which we recommend then the nice thing is we also make a questionnaire. So we asked about, does she have stress, sleeping, exercise? And, this, and guess what? She was very stressed, you know, because we, we say uh, stressed a little, how many, severely. She was severely stressed. Wow. So to me, the way we live anyway these days, we are all stressed with our work and so So to me, it's very important that we take a little bit of time during the day to relax a little bit, you know, just meditate a little bit. I give you a laugh. I also, I never did yoga, you know, but in the last couple of years, I start because, you know, I wanted to relax a little bit. So I joined a, a yoga class and honestly, it is fantastic. By the end of the one and a half hour, I felt so good. And it made me laugh because my wife used to tell me, How's your lady friends? Because I was the only man there. <laughs> so so I, now the other day I was in a meeting and I, I told them this and I say, I'm talking to the male uh, audience. Please take yoga, you know, because it, it helps. So that's one, one thing. We need to reduce the stress. Number two, it's really important to exercise. I know this is, everybody knows this, but you don't have to kill yourself and extreme exercise. Even if you have, I mean, people know like half an hour, three times a day, four times a day is, is really uh, great. If you can, you know, if you want to even go walking, uh, that is very helpful. You know, in, in, in the morning I wake up, I'm an early riser, okay? So I wake up uh, five o'clock, I go exercise. And of course I used to put the television and watch the news. Now I don't watch the news. <laughs> I watch. I love Lucy because, <laughs> because it's stressful. You look at the news, there is no good news. You know? right. so, so that's why we need to find ways to relax, 
exercise. This is going to help our body. If you reduce stress, and there are studies, published studies, where it shows if you have less stress, you will have better microbiome. You know, the other thing which I recommend is people should go on hikes. We are very lucky. In this country, there are beautiful national parks. Go have hikes. Also, don't over sterilize. You know, all of us, we use all these, you know, alcohol, uh, alcohol uh, you know, rubs and whatever. Hmm. Let the kids play. Let them have, play with dogs. Because there are studies which done, people who live in farms, the kids there, they have less allergy, hmm. you know, than people who live in urban uh, areas. So when you put all this together and the right diet, guess what? You are going to control fungi, encourage your bacteria, and the good ones, of course, and then you are going to have total gut balance. I love that. What are your thoughts on, um, it's a sort of a, a, a you know, hotly debated topic um, in the fitness community, um, you know, the artificial sweeteners. What are, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Because yes. I think a lot yes. of the concern now is that they might be affecting the microbiome. Sure. We actually published a paper. Hmm. We published a paper, it's now a couple of years ago, where we used Splenda, one of the sweeteners, you know, artificial sweeteners. And definitely what it did, we noticed that it shifted the bacteria, bacteria, bacteria in particular, where we had an increase in the phylum protobacteria. And protobacteria is known to be a red flag for inflammation. Mm. So definitely artificial sweeteners is not the way to go. You know, this, this, this was sucralose, right? Splenda? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, Splenda, sucralose, yes. Splenda. And was this, I mean, at what was it? I'm assuming this was in mice that you showed this? And yes, it was in, in, in mice. And then what, like what dose? I mean, how translatable do you think your findings were in that study to people? Because I think a lot of people, they worry about putting a packet of Splenda in their coffee. At what dose should people really worry in your view? Do you use any artificial sweeteners? I really don't. I use, you know, I come, as we mentioned, I'm Lebanese. So when I was growing up, we drink a lot of tea. And the tea, we put a lot of sugar, let alone sweetener, you know. And in fact, my brother, my dad used to tell him he has sugar, not sugar with tea, you know. It's more, <laughs> really, more sugar than tea, you yeah, know. Sugar with tea, yeah. <laughs> so, so that, then, I realize this is not good. So now I don't take it. And then I just take tea with no sugar or coffee the same, you know. I think it would be a good idea to uh, wean yourself of it. And also you'll enjoy the actual the flavor of sugar, and the, uh, of tea and this sort of thing. Now, your question is, if you take a little bit, you know, I don't think this is, like, we need to remember, our gut is resilient. Okay, so even if you have a little bit, uh, it doesn't, it's not going to stay there. You eat uh, pro uh, properly, you take care of yourself, it's going to rebalance and it'll be good. It's again, the same sort of story we talked about is moderation. If you have some moderation, it's going to be fine. But I really think too much of it is not good, definitely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So people with candida... How long does it take to normalize the... Uh, Very good question. Like that You ecosystem. know, unlike... There is a study was done uh, by Dr. Hoffman, you know, where he looked at how quickly we can change the bacteria 
and candida. Hmm. And what, what his observation was is that candida and fungi in general is very rapidly changing. Hmm. So within 24 hours, short-term diet, he called it, it will rebalance it. Whereas with bacteria, it takes much longer, and he called it long-term diet. So to me, even if you have a lot of candida, you can quickly reverse it. You can quickly reduce it in a very short period. We actually did a study, sorry to, uh, sorry to interrupt you, uh, where uh, I did a study for the diet, uh, the total gut balance, and we had people start, we took fecal sample from them, and then uh, baseline, they went into the trial, we start taking uh, sample every uh, two, two weeks, four weeks, and then uh, analyze their microbiome. And we started to see, by two weeks, you start to see significant change in the uh, candida profile, as well as uh, some benefit, benefit of the beneficial uh, uh, bacteria increase, like bifidobacterium, for example. By four weeks, it was very, we, we even did not, we were unable to detect candida tropicalis post-trial, post which means it went really uh, down, you know. So to cut long story short is you can change your fungal profile much faster and more rapidly than you can do for bacteria. It's amazing. So like if you have candida overgrowth, would, could you essentially just fast for 24 hours? I mean, a lot of people now are you know, into this, like these prolonged fasts, but a 24 hour fast followed by a, a sugar-free diet. Yeah, a sugar-free or, and the, like lean proteins, plant, yeah. seafood, uh, it will, it will uh, really keep it under control. And what's the, how do you test for candida overgrowth? Like what is the, is it stool sample or? It's, uh, we can do, like for the gut, it's stool sample. You take yeah. stool sample, there are a couple of ways. One, we can do, what you call next generation sequencing. Mm -hmm. And then you look at, you use the marker, it's called ITS, uh, uh, like it's, which is specific for fungi. And that will look at all the fungi in your gut and, mm. and differentiate between them. So we are able to see. There are other quicker tests where you take also uh, stool samples, but then you target specific candida only. You are not looking at them whole picture only about candida and that you can do what you call quantitative pcr this is much faster method and it gives you basically it gives you what is the abundance or what is the level of a specific candida species albicans tropicalis and this sort of thing is there oral microbiome testing at this point uh, you know it's very good question. You know, many people think about, should we really do oral microbiome testing? Because it's much easier. I mean, it's much easier to give a sample from the oral cavity. And when we first started uh, studying fungi, I looked at the oral cavity, as you remember, uh, I said. So we have the method in place. And in fact, we were tempted to start to, instead of looking at the gut, look at the oral cavity. Uh, and see, is it, can it tell you whether we have dysbiosis or imbalance in this? And, you know, we, we, we found that there is some concordance. So if you have imbalance in the oral cavity, you see imbalance also in the gut. And in fact, another group looked uh, at that uh, and published in Nature, and they showed that there is concordance. There is agreement between what is in the mouth and one, well, what's in the gut. 
I really can see in the future that people will start testing the oral cavity or the mouth instead of fecal samples. That's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, it seems um, at least like a more a more pleasant test to have to endure. <laughs> and, if, and, and if there's that, you know, such a high degree of concordance, then yeah. why yeah. not? I really agree. Yeah. I, you know, I like to talk a lot about uh, brain health, cognitive health, and I think this is a very early um, area of focus, but, you know, the oral microbiome and, well, the gut microbiome and, and how they both relate to brain health, cognitive health, conditions like Alzheimer's disease, sure. um, dementia, which, you know, a lot of people are, are struggling with today. Any insights you can share with us on that? Because I know that there have been a number of studies to link uh, gum disease with... with with, the, with, the, with, the, with yes, gum disease with some uh, degenerative neurodegenerative disease. You know, I looked. Uh, I mean, definitely. Just to clarify, there is. It is well established now that we have bidirectional communication. In other words, the brain talks to the gut and the gut talks to the brain. Before we used to think everything, the orders come from the brain. Now there are enough evidence to tell us that both ways it could work. Okay. Now, what happens, the, gut, the brain wants to control and balance your gut. If you have imbalance, they start to produce, like I, I was reading, like fungi. I know a lot of information about candida, bacteria is there, but also now with fungi, what it does, it can secrete some metabolites which can cause cytokine, like inflammation, like L, uh, IL, uh, interleukin-6 six, six or interleukin-1, which could affect the hypothalamus and that could affect the cortisol and of course leads to depression and this sort of thing. Interestingly, we just completed a study which I'm hoping to publish where look, we looked at autism. And you know, autism, uh, again, one of the uh, link, uh, uh, related to gut-brain access. And we are seeing that there is both imbalance in bacteria as well as in fungi, particularly candida in kids. What we looked, we looked at people in the same, like siblings basically, one with autism, one without autism, and we show this difference. And I'm currently writing this paper. Hopefully, we should publish it very soon. Oh, so, I can't wait to read it. Yeah, so definitely there is this connection between the two, the brain access. We don't have that much time left, but I would love to, I mean, if you could just walk me through a, a day in the life of Dr. Ganon, you know, like what, uh, what are the kinds of things that you're eating when you wake up? When are you eating? If anybody's going to have an optimal uh, microbiome or uh, an optimal, you know, eating regimen, as far as the microbiome goes, it's going to be you. So let's hear it. <laughs> So, so in the morning, uh, I wake up, as I mentioned, I really uh, exercise uh, about half an hour. I have an elliptical machine, so I really love it because, you know, it's better than the treadmill for your joints and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I do that. Then I love to eat uh, uh, steel-cut oatmeal. You know, I love that because I can add to it some, uh, you know, raisins, I like to have some uh, nuts in it. I don't add uh, sugar uh, at all. Sometimes I add a little bit. I love honey, you know, because from Lebanon. So I add a little bit of honey just to make it a little bit uh, taste. So, uh, and I, I tend to cook like for, you know, uh, because it takes time in the morning. I don't have time to cook. So I, I took a batch and then put it in the free, uh, freezer and then uh, eat it. 
Other times, especially weekends, I love when I woke up, I like to have eggs, you know, eggs is a very good, good proteins and this sort of thing. Uh, then during, then I come to, to, let's say work, I come to work, I do my emails and this sort of thing. And then I eat in, uh, nuts. I love, as I mentioned to you, pistachio. In fact, look, <laughs> look at this. Man, look at that, a whole bag of pistachios. That's, so yeah, I buy them because I, I, you know, I like to have it maybe around 10, 10, uh, uh, 10 o'clock or something because I feel like I need something. So I do that. And then at lunchtime, I have, uh, tend to have soup. I like to have salad, but I add protein, some chicken uh, to it. Uh, and, uh, you know, in the evening, uh, really... My my wife she does a great great fish. I love fish, like salmon in particular. And then she had baked uh, like Brussels sprouts, uh, asparagus sometimes, some sweet potatoes in the oven. Uh, so that's how uh, I do that. Sometimes I I love a chocolate. So yeah. what I do I do a little bit of later at, at night a little bit of dark chocolate, which have been shown to be beneficial. But so. I, I watch it, but you know, like everybody else, sometimes they ah, oh, I have to eat something, which is, uh, it's okay. You can, you can, as long as, as we said, because of the gut is re resilient, you can uh, go back. I give you a laugh. Uh, when we did the clinical trial for this uh, total gut balance, we did it last year around this time. And then Thanksgiving came and the people in the, oh my God, they start <laughs> to eat, you know. But, uh, you know, what's so interesting is that they saw that by doing this, it changed. But then when they went back on the diet, it went back, you know. So uh, it's good to have a, uh, like 80% of the time you're doing good, then it's fine, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, you might you you might know this already about pistachios, but they're a very a, a very brain healthy food. Uh, they're the only nut actually with significant quantities of of the carotenoids, lutein, and zeaxanthin, yes. which are both very beneficial for your eye health, but also your brain health and your and your and your brain function. So yeah. they're they're a wonderful food. So that's why I showed you. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Um, we didn't we didn't actually talk about uh, probiotics at all, but I wanted to get your thoughts on on those. There was a study that I think caused um, tremors within the uh, the wellness community. You know, people who are very probiotic uh, obsessed published a few um, years ago now, where you know they took these patients that were on Cipro and they gave them probiotics, and they found that probiotics actually delayed the recolonization. Of their of their gut bacteria back to what it was at baseline before the yeah. course of Cipro. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on probiotics? Is there you know utility for them? Do you take them? Like, what's your yeah. what's your stance? Well, look uh, to me. I think we should not depend on all these supplements to 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 balance our gut or have our healthy situation. I think we need to go with diet, good food, as we mentioned. You know, now sometimes you uh, we all go off. Of the rail, you know, I think supplementing with probiotic it does not uh, hurt at all, you know. And to me, when I I looked at the Crohn's disease patients, we we looked at what is available in the market with respect to what probiotic available, and mainly a lot of them are uh, bacteria, Lactobacillus, Bifidobacterium, you know, Bacillus, uh, you know, Subtilis, and this sort of thing. 
But we did a study actually, we published it in uh, April of this year, 2019 in Ambio, where we showed in addition to bacterial, good bacterial strain, probiotic strain, you need a fungal strain such as Saccharomyces boulardii. Because we showed that they are able to really inhibit this biofilm. So, so to me, I think they have a place, uh, but you really should not be trying to control all your health through t- taking these uh, supplements. It's good to have them when you need them. And, Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much, Doctor. I've got uh, just one last question that gets asked to everybody on this show. But before we get to that, how can listeners, um, you know, connect with you? I'm not sure if you're on social media. Your book is out now. It's called Total Gut Balance, which uh, I highly recommend you guys all go and uh, check out. But are you on like Twitter or in or Instagram or anything like that? I I have a fa- uh, website, drmicrobiome.com. Uh, you know, which is the same, drmicrobiome.com, one word. And then also for the book, totalgutbook.com. Totalgutbook.com, yeah, which is all total gut balance, that's fine as well. Got it. We still make it easy. Yeah, I am not a lot into social media, Twitter, and this sort of thing. I don't have time. (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. (laughs) I, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of time either, but somehow I find a way to make it work. Uh, but I, I love connecting with my listeners on social media. They know that. Um, I don't blame you. And they're going to, and they're going to love to hear you. So thank you. I tell you something, honestly, it was a great pleasure talking to you. I enjoyed it tremendously. Mine as well. Well, uh, the last question that gets asked to everybody on this show is, what does it mean to you to live a genius life? What does living a genius life mean to you, doctor? You know, I I really believe it makes me happy that what I am doing can help people. Uh, I'm a scientist, and I spend all my life doing this. This is what I do for the last 46 years. And when I do... Like sometimes you can tell when you are doing an experiment and it's working, you feel so happy, you know? And you are even happier when you do something and you know that this is going to affect uh, other people in a good way. It makes you happy. So this is, uh, I, I, I have to tell you a story. I, you know, we did long time ago, we, we used to study, you know, when you go into hospital, you... Uh, we have so many catheters, so many, you know, indwelling devices. So when you put it into people, biofilms form there and cause infections. So it's catheter-related infections. So I started to study that, and I developed a, a, a model, a rabbit model, where we found out how best to clean and prevent this infection. Hmm. And guess what? We published that paper. And suddenly, lo and behold, one year after, a group from Italy published a paper, said, we read this study. We had a baby with catheter infection. We used the same uh, drug that can get rid of the biofilm, and the baby became well. And basically, febrile, no infection whatsoever. Blood became, uh, culture became negative. And so when I saw that paper, I came back to the lab. I showed my people who work with me, my, you know, my staff. Look, guys, what we are doing is 
helping people. Hmm. And that's what makes me happy for as you, uh, in my life. That's amazing. Well, that is indeed living a genius life. Thank you for your work, doctor. This was super interesting. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, if you're ever out in LA, we'll have to get together and have some Lebanese food. Oh, I'd love that. There's yes. very good Lebanese food in Los Angeles. I promise that when we come, and I, I come to LA and San Francisco, so definitely let's, let's keep in touch. Sounds good. Well, thank you again. And to all you guys out there in podcast land, thank you for listening to this episode of the show. Take a moment and spread the word. There's so, so much good information dropped by Dr. Ganoum over the past hour. Pay it forward. Share it with a neighbor. Share it with a friend, relative, your dog, cat, anyone who has ears. <laughs> and uh, I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.